0: Hare Krishna.
1: Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
0: Thank you all for coming this evening um, to 26 Second Avenue, which is the place where our, the founder of the Hare Krishna Movement, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, the is first, the first center where Srila Prabhupada um, began regular teachings of Krishna consciousness in the Western world. It's a special place. Um, I'm happy to have all of you here. Um, uh, so many nice stories from different places and from from here um, and uh, also including some we welcome those who are um, disciples of krishna shetra swami or his friends and, uh, and so forth um, our special guest this evening is <laughs> krishna shetra swami um, he's a disciple of shil many of you know this but not everyone so he's a disciple of shilaparapod Initiated in 1972, and has done lots of um, uh, teaching of Krishna consciousness in Europe and in Asia, like in China, and um, uh, traveling with uh, the Goran Bhajan band. Uh, in earlier days, that's not. On the, I don't think I read that on the page, but that's I, ancient history. But that's uh, the, for me. I like that part of the history. Um, <laughs> Marge is um, Maharaj, um Uh, One of the, um, I would say, unique aspects of his devotional service uh, on on behalf of Srila Prabhupada is um, as a scholar, and he has a PhD um, uh, from Oxford that he got in 2004, um, and he got his dissertation in Chaitanya Vaishnava Image. And Maharaj is uh, also a writer, and he's reading some <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh-uh.
2: It was,
0: it was a book table. <laughs> the Marge has brought, um, with the help of some of, some of us, Marge has brought some books. So for those who would like to read uh, read, read, uh, read 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 his writing, uh, that will be available. Uh, you can speak to us after the program. And um, Marge um, also um, teaches at universities, has taught at universities in different places, including at universities in China. Um, and I'm not sure I read this on the webpage, but I have to say <laughs> it. Maharaj is known for his uh, wonderful kirtans and bhajans, which we all just experienced. So look forward to a nice program uh, in which Maharaj teaches Bhagavad Gita. We're studying uh, Chapter 5 right now. We're on verse 19 as we work our way verse by verse through the entire Gita. And if you have your phone... If you want to follow along with a verse, feel free um, without, you know, texting and all that other stuff. But uh, <laughs> but the, a nice web page for you to follow along is betabase.org, vedabase.org, v-e-d-a, b-a-s-e.org, org. And there you'll find the Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 5, Text 19. Hare Krishna. <laughs>
3: That was okay. Improvement. <laughs> Improvement. Improvement. Uh, better than last
0: time. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's the means, that means there's... Actually had something substantive. <laughs> well, so that means you have to Practice. come again so I have a chance to next Practice. time. Practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> okay,
3: well, uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction and thank you all. And for me, it's always a special treat to be here at. I mean, there's no place like this in the universe, right? Twenty-sixth Avenue. <laughs> this is where it all began, yeah. and it's still going on, right? So, uh, yeah, this is nice. Shula Prabhupada. Who, who could have known, right, when he started here at twenty-six, seven, second, what what would develop? Uh, yeah. Okay, so we're reading. Shrimad Bhagavad Gita as it is, Srila Prabhupada insisted. This is Bhagavad Gita as it is. Uh, one of the most translated books in the whole world. Uh, what are the other two most? One is the Bible, and the other uh, is the Tao Te yeah. Those three. Are on the top of the list of translated books, um, religious books. Uh, but we're fortunate we have Srila Prabhupada's translation with its purports, and so we can jump right into it. Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāya Now let's try that again. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya
1: oh, Much better. Om Namo Bhagavate
3: Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, namo vasudevaya. Very good. So we're reading from chapter 5. Uh, which the Prabhupada uh, gave the title Karma Yoga Action in Krishna Consciousness. Uh, the traditional title of this chapter, I believe, is Sannyasa Yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, verse number 19, we'll just start chanting and then go through the verse word by word and the translation and the purport and then we'll go from there i haimat jitta jitta sargo i haimat jitta kēśaṁ <singing> saṁstāle <shamsamri> siddhaṁ manaṁ <eremiah> mīrdo saṁhī samaṁ brahma mīrdo saṁstāle siddhaṁ manaṁ brahma mīrdo saṁhī samaṁ brahma mīrdo saṁhī samaṁ brahma TASMA brahmaṇī tēstitaḥ <speaking in> tasmaṁ <the family> brahmaṇī siddhaḥ Tasmat Brahmani tasted Ahasmat Brahmani Ye shun some yeasty dung mana. Ye shuns some Brahma. Ye do, do shun Brahma. Tasmat brahmani tasty dung. Tasma tasty Others want to chant.
1: Ye have our tire some yeasty tum, sham, Brahma.
0: Some yeasty tongue than a hum. Yea, some yeasty Brahma. sham Nido Shamhi Samam Brahma, Nido Shamhi Samam Tasmat Brahmani Tastita, Tasmat Brahmani Tastita,
4: He Hive a Tajita Sargo, He Sargo, He Manaha, Samam. Mm-hmm.
3: Anyone else? Once Prabhupada said, if we repeat the verse ten times, we will memorize it. <laughs> Any others? sampesh hai in hi hai
4: va tarjit
3: asargam hi hai va tarjit asargam
4: sham samyesti tamnah sham samyesti samam brahma mirdosham hi samam brahma asma brahma ritesti tam
0: ta swa va ritesti la <laughs>
3: Okay, so let's do the word for word. Eha, eha, e-ha. in this life, in, in this life. life, eva, eva, certainly, certainly. certainly. tai, Bye. by them, by them, them. jita, jita, conquered,
1: conquered,
3: sarga. sarga, sarga, birth and death, birth and death. Yesham, yesham, vus, vus. Samye, Sam Sam In equanimity, in equanimity. Astitam, uh, astitam. Situated, situated. 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 Mana, mana. Mind, mind. mind. Nirdosham, nirdosham. Nirdo flawless, flawless. 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 He he, He is certainly samam samam, samam, in equanimity. 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 Brahma, 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 like the Supreme, Supreme. Supreme. tasma, Tasma, therefore, 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 brahmani brahmani, in the
0: Supreme. Supreme.
3: They sthita are situated. This microphone looks <coughs> very good. The microphone stand is uh, so <coughs> um, if
0: it's Would you like um, to try to adjust it well? If you can tighten it with the quote straight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe also put uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. it this way, and then it will be straight, okay. this one's
3: too This one? Okay. Um, no, it's good. Just make it tight. Nice. That's good. Okay. Yeah. good. Okay. You're welcome. I think that's good. Yeah. You. All right. Translation. Those whose minds are established in sameness and equanimity have already conquered the conditions of birth and death. They are flawless, like Brahman, and thus they are already situated in Brahman. And Brahman's purport, equanimity of mind, as mentioned above, is the sign of self-realization. Those who have actually attained to such a stage should be considered to have conquered material conditions, specifically birth and death. As long as one identifies with this body, he is considered a conditioned soul. But as soon as he is elevated to the stage of equanimity through realization of self, he is liberated from conditional life. In other words, he is no longer subject to take birth in the material world, but can enter into the spiritual sky after his death. The Lord is flawless because he is without attraction or hatred. Similarly, when a living entity is without attraction or hatred, he also becomes lawless, and eligible to enter into the spiritual sky. Such persons are to be considered already liberated, and their symptoms are described below in the next verse or verses. And the verse again is Sargo brahma Tasmad Brahmani Te sthita. Those whose minds are established in sameness and equanimity have already conquered the conditions of birth and death. They are flawless like Brahman. And thus, they're already situated in Brahman. We get this word Brahman in two different forms. In the same verse, we also get the word stita twice in slightly mm. different forms. Uh, and we also get the word sama or samye, different forms of the same, uh, in the same verse, times two
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's interesting. Um Okay, fifth chapter. So we're still within the first third of the Bhagavad Gita. And Krishna in this sec in this part of the Bhagavad Gita is you could say warming us up uh, for his um, for the deeper uh depths of his of his teaching. I think it's nice to remember that Krishna is Yogeshvara. He is the master of yoga. And as such, he is, um, he can be taken as a first-class teacher of yoga. Uh, We hear lots of, we hear there are yoga teacher training programs (laughs) you can get uh, a 200 hour course (laughs) and 400 hour course and you can be qualified as a yoga teacher well that's nice um yogeshwara krishna is yeah the original yoga teacher The primordial yoga teacher. And this is something Srila Prabhupada would emphasize repeatedly uh, when speaking on Bhagavad Gita that when we're hearing the Gita, we're hearing from uh, the perfect source, from the authority on the subject. Yes, please come forward and uh, make yourself comfortable. Um, yeah, so so what Prabhupada would sometimes he would spend half of a lecture just on this point to get his listeners into the sort of proper frame of mind that we're not just listening to any anyone saying anything. We're listening to Krishna, supreme personality of Godhead, Yogeshvara, um, Bhagavan. Uh, often with the verses that begin, Shri Bhagavan Uvacha, he would just spend half his lecture making that point. What means Bhagavan? Why is that important? Um, Well, I'm not going to dwell on that. (laughs) I I would like to focus a bit on um, what's being said here specifically. Um, But it occurs to me, especially with this chapter, I feel that it is helpful to be aware of a kind of unspoken, uh, what technically is called purva-paksha. Purva-paksha is a term that's um, used in Indian philosophy. Historians of Indian philosophy tell us that it's been used at least, since the 5th century of the Common Era, so that means the last 1,500 years. What means purva paksha? Well, what does paksha mean? First, paksha means literally wing, uh, but it comes to mean position.
2: Uh,
3: We hear in politics there's a left wing and a right wing, (laughs) yeah. Um, so there's also wings in philosophy uh, one would hope that with these wings one can fly to the <laughs> truth um, what is Purva? Purva means uh, in this context something like preliminary so the preliminary understanding um, that which is to be discussed um, um and how is it discussed with the Uttarapaksha? Uh, the Uttarapaksha is responding to the Purvapaksha, and having responded to the Purvapaksha with the Uttarapaksha, one seeks to come to Siddhanta. Siddhanta. This is ah, this is where everyone has a sigh of relief. Uh, After much anxiety of uncertainty, what is the truth? Uh, So that then one can fly with the Siddhanta. (laughs) So what is the Purva-paksha of this chapter? It, It occurs, it's not explicit. It's not explicit, but I believe it's there. Why do I believe it's there? Because of some allusions in this chapter, especially at the end of this chapter, uh, to terminology from the Buddhist tradition or traditions. The word nirvana in particular comes, and it comes, I believe, three times. And for me, this is a signal, it's a hint. But how it comes, how Krishna uses this word, nirvana, he he makes a kind of little, um, he, he, he takes it with a little twist. He speaks not of nirvana simply, but he speaks of brahma nirvana. Brahma nirvana? You'll never hear the Buddhists talk about brahma nirvana. Uh, they'll speak about nirvana, but not brahma nirvana. Um. so Krishna Krishna is uh, is using this now some will say oh wait 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 it can't be that Krishna is responding to the Buddhists why? because Krishna was living so much centuries before Buddhism appeared um, then there are others who will say well Uh, This is just evidence that actually the Bhagavad Gita was spoken or written, compiled later, after the Buddhists came. And there's a third option. The third option is what? The third option is that in one form or another, there's always been Buddhism. There's always something that, it may not go by that label, but it's, it's always there. There's, some, there's always some notion, uh, philosophical notion of Buddhism, and it can be argued, I believe, that the, especially this fifth chapter, but Bhagavad Gita as a whole, is arguing against this. Something that uh, I learned uh, when I was teaching a, a course in uh, how to do academic re- research um, a couple of years ago and uh, I came across a wonderful little book that was written for undergraduates but I found it's very good for the whole range of students of anything mm-hmm. um, a book How to how to Do Really Good Academic Writing and the title of the book was They Say I say and that summarizes the whole point of the whole book they say whatever they say I say (laughs) whatever I have to say so a good academic piece uh, will give the purva-paksha they say and then it will give uttara-paksha and siddhanta that's simple so Krishna's doing that also. <laughs> Krishna is doing that also. And specifically, he's talking here about the mind. Now, Buddhist traditions uh, generally represent, not yeah, with maybe one exception um, or two, I don't know, but generally they will uh, propagate what is called kshanikavada kshanikavada kshana means a moment yeah. and uh, a vada is a doctrine and a kshanika is a little tiny moment <laughs> <laughs> and the basic the basic idea uh, is that uh, nothing there is nothing uh There is nothing of continuous substance. There's nothing that you can say continues over time. All that there is, is moment after moment after moment after moment. And our experience is of momentariness. And our illusion, they will say, is that we put it all together and think that there's something constant. And as a result of that, we think, we imagine that there is an Atma, that there is a soul. Of course Buddhists, generally how we understand Buddhism and generally how Buddhists understand Buddhism is they want to to use a postmodern fancy word, they want to deconstruct the self, the Atma. Mm. They want to say... Your whole problem is you're thinking that there's that you are somebody when actually there is no uh, substantial self. And what that means is there's also no, no, no thing which could be called a mind. So much about the Bhagavad Gita is about controlling the mind and the, and the yoga sutras, the yoga system is very much yoga's chitta vritti nirodha the chitta consciousness, the vrittis, the fluctuations and disturbances, nirodha, they, they are to be restrained by practice of yoga. So all of that kind of would, at least in theory, it seems like it would just go out the window with Buddhism. <laughs> Well, um, two times in this verse, Krishna refers to Brahman. And Brahman is, it's the one where the Buddhist may want to argue for the zero. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard the term, term shunya or shunya, shunyavada or shunyata. So, shunyata it's the abstract noun. It means, the, um, means, well, sometimes it's translated as void, but it, it, it means something like non substantiality. There's nothing, there is no substance. This is the argument. Well, uh uh-uh, uh, Krishna says it's not, it, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, And although he's not in any systematic way arguing against Buddhist ideas, there are scholars um, who do that, and especially in the Nyaya tradition, for centuries they were arguing with the Buddhists back and forth. But there's these hints in the Gita, and as I said, especially in the fifth chapter, especially at the end, what we get is Brahma-nirvana. it's um, it's a kind of trick, I think Krishna is speaking about Brahman. Um, okay, so those whose minds, they have minds, right? <laughs> are established in sameness and equanimity. What is this sameness and equanimity? Just on our way here today, on the subway, I was commenting, I was saying, this New York subway <laughs> Local. Crazy. It's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, because I guess I could say I'm, I'm a little spoiled from uh, this the uh, metro, they call it, in Hong Kong. Very, you know, it's just very... It's very neat, clean. It's modern. Anyway... So I'm making, in my mind, a comparison. I'm thinking, this is better and that's worse. Krishna's saying, "Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) Don't go making these distinctions like that. Or, is that what he's saying? Think about this. Is it possible to think without making comparisons? Is it even possible to think are we not constantly making distinctions, and isn't that distinction making comparison? So then, what does this mean to say, what is this samam? what is this samye what is this being situated in samya, in equanimity, what does that mean? Well, we might get a hint from the previous verse, which those of you who were here last time will, of course, remember. <laughs> you remember the previous verse? Yeah, I, g- I gave that class. Oh, <laughs> right. You better remember. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you better remember. So, you want to quote it for us? Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> Did you?
1: Pretty, pretty yeah, but, uh, yeah. the, uh, the sage uh, sees the learned and gentle sage sees with equal vision the, the brahmana the uh, cow and the dog the, uh, the dog uh, and the dog eater <laughs> and the and the outcast that spot the child, the one who cooks the dogs.
3: You <laughs> forgot the elephants. Oh, the no. elephant <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, the humble sages, by virtue of true knowledge, see with equal vision a learned and gentle brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog. And a dog eater, an outcast. Uh, right, well, yeah. no. equal vision, samadarshan, a yeah. samadarshi, and darshan is just the plural plural form. Um, so they, they see equally. What does that mean? Well, that means understanding that every living being uh, is in essence the same. Certainly the bodies are different. Nobody's going to say that the cow and the and the dog and the elephant and all of these different bodies are the same. No. But the pundit, that means the learned person, understands there's some, we say something, but it's really someone. There's a person inside each one of them, and they're all the same, in, in terms of uh, certain certain features. Uh, especially, uh, well, uh, degrees, we can say, of sata and ananda, the qualities of the self. Actually, the qualities of the self, the atman, have been elaborated in but um, Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarva, I just was reminded, this, uh, reminded of this, um, he quotes um, one sage from South India, Jamatri Muni. Uh, he gives 21 qualities of the Atman himself. And what's interesting for us, perhaps, uh, is the last of these. Uh, the very last one is Shanti, Shanti. The last one of these is Sheshatva, which is a way of saying servitorship. So sort of characteristic, what do we all have in common? We're all servants. Uh-huh. We're all servants. That's That's... That's a core principle, which is especially emphasized in our Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition. It's one of the things that uh, specifies and characterizes um, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Jivara Svarupahoy Krishna Nityadas Tatasta Shakti Veda Veda Prakash All right. so this sameness and equanimity, uh, but I think there's, I think there's something here because Krishna is emphasizing it so much in the Gita. In the sixth chapter, he's gonna say he's going to. Let's see if I can remember it. Uh, no, I'm not remembering. Gyanam, gyanam, gyanam savigyanam. No, that's right not left. it. Um, we'll get it. It's here. <laughs> the qualities in the sound. That's it. Gyana, Vigyana, Triptatna. Kutasta, Vijitendriya. Yukta, Iti, Uchade, Yogi. Sama, Loshtra, Ashma, Kanchana. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> hmm. Someone is said to be in self realization and is called a yogi. Yukta um, iti ujjate yogi. When that person is fully satisfied. Why? Tripta Atma means satisfied. By virtue of acquired knowledge and realization, and what's the characteristic? Such a person is situated in transcendence and is self controlled. He sees, what does he see? He sees everything. Whether it be pebbles, stones, or gold, as the same. Well, what does that really mean? (laughs) One thought I had about this uh, is, in some contexts, gold might be very useful. In other contexts, pebbles or stones might be more useful than gold. If you want to build a house, you're not going to build a house with gold, even if you had that much. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so um so the so the equal the equal vision i think is the uh, seeing there's an equal potential of all things yeah to be used in service that's actually the, the way a devotee understands but then krishna uh Ups the ante in the next verse. Surin Mitrayudasina Madhyastha Veshta Bandhichu Sarushvapi Chakhapeshu. Some of here. Vishishyate. Vishishyate means more special. Uh, a person is considered still further advanced when he regards honest well wishers, affectionate benefactors, the neutral mediators, the envious, friends and enemies, the pious and the sinners, all with an equal mind. Now notice, (laughs) Krishna says, uh, someone is further advanced, he recognizes, this is not easy to see everyone, you know, somebody who's friendly with you and somebody who would like to finish you off with equal vision. (laughs) That's a tall order. Yeah. That's a tall order. Uh, but this is, what I want to say is that what, I, what I've, um, I, I've developed this uh, notion that Krishna in the Gita, especially in, the, well, throughout the Gita, he speaks a lot about this equanimity. And it seems to me that it's a kind of, um, what I call therapeutic non duality therapeutic it's not it's not an ultimate non dualism and we're not Advaita Vadins, we're not my Um it's not ultimately so, but it's therapeutically so it's helpful to practice thinking. Uh, and, and seeing, seeing it, it's helpful to be asking ourselves: Is it possible to see things uh, in some with some sort of equal vision? Is that possible? Can I can I see with equal vision? Is it possible to do that? Um, and how to get there? It came to my mind. There's a, a very nice verse. Uh, Sutra, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. You want to hear one of the Sutras of Patanjali? Mm -hmm. No? Yes. 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 Okay. (laughs) Uh, This is, and this connects back to Buddhism, um, because it echoes uh, a Buddhist idea. So Patanjali says in part one, verse number or sutra thirty-three, maitri karana mudito pechanam, Sukaduka punya punya vishayanam, bhavanatas chitta prasadanam. What's that mean? By cultivating an attitude of friendship toward those who are happy. Compassion toward those in distress, joy toward those who are virtuous, and equanimity toward those who are non-virtuous. Lucidity arises in the mind. Uh, this is uh, a beta for whose translation Edmund Bryant. Very nice. Uh, is written, uh, translation and commentary, on the Yoga Sutras. By cultivating an attitude of friendship, Maitri, uh, in Pali, uh, this is Metta. Metta, um, Karuna is Karuna, Mudita, Mudita, I think it's Mudita, and upeksha Upeksha uh, is. I think, upekka. Uh, by cultivating an attitude of friendship toward those who are happy, sukha. Compassion, karana, toward those in distress. Joy, that's mudita, toward those who are virtuous, puñya. And equanimity, upeksha, toward those who are non virtuous, apunya, lucidity, prasadanam, arises in the mind, bhavanatash, chitta prasadanam. So this actually is almost, we may be tempted. To say, oh, that's taken straight out of Buddhist literature, because the Buddhists speak uh, of uh, what they call the uh, what is it? The Brahma Vihara. Um, these four principles. A practice of meditation is to extend one's friendship. You start with your what's easy. It's easy to be friendly with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, start with your friends. That's okay. You know how to be friendly with your friends. Now try extending that out to someone who is udasina, someone who is indifferent to you. But here it says someone who is suka, who is happy. Now you may say, well, I don't know if I want to be friends with someone who's happy. Uh, because of you know some mundane reason, but the idea here is no, go ahead and see if you can do that because that 's going to help you stretch your uh, your consciousness to recognize that that 's also a spiritual. they have the same uh, the same sorts of uh, feelings as you have, and so on. Each one of these, you learn to extend further and further out uh, to, as a meditation to encompass the whole world. And what's the result? The result is chitta prasada, And this just now occurs to me, could take us back to Bhagavad Gita, in the eighteenth chapter, another famous <laughs> verse you all know: Brahma Buddha Prasannatma, Na Sochati, Na Kanchati, Saman, Sarveshude Shub, Adbhutim, So that's where it goes beyond the Buddhist mm-hmm. idea. Uh, to bhakti, bhakti to the Lord. Uh, so again, we had a um, kind of Purva Paksha in what seems implied, in the Buddhist idea. We have, instead of the Buddhist idea, right. they'll come back. <laughs> <Okay. clears throat> instead of the Kshanikavada of the Buddhist idea, we have something. Um, something solid. We have a, a self and we have a self which has a mind and that mind is constant and therefore that mind can become sita, can become fixed. Mm. Uh, and that mind can become fixed in what? ye in equanimity. Mm. And that, Srila Prabhupada is explaining, uh, is, he he. he very often uses the word symptom. Symptom we usually think of in relation to disease, Uh, a symptom of a disease, right? Mm. But um, he'll use it in a more general sense. So a symptom, um, symptoms of persons uh, who are considered to be already liberated. Uh, This is all being described. Do we want to be liberated, one could ask. Maybe we just want to attain nirvana, nirvana, nirvat, what what is nirvana, literally it's um, extinguishment, Um, extinguishing the fire, blowing out the candle, It's nirvana. Um, Not so attractive, I think. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think we're enough, um, we value ourselves enough to understand that that is not what we want. We value ourselves, even in our conditioned life, enough to understand that uh, the solution is not to snuff out ourselves, isn't it? Mm. So, Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is, this is one of what, one of the things that Krishna is doing in Bhagavad Gita. He's establishing, of course, this begins already in the second chapter, um, with uh, Krishna's several statements about the existence and characteristics of living beings, uh, the spirit soul. Na jayate mriyate kadachin nayam ajo nitya na hanyate hanyamāne sharīre This eternal self uh, It's not destroying, it's not being destroyed, it's not destroying anyone else It's existed in the past, it's existing now, it's going to exist in the future uh, there is permanence to the self, and uh, Krishna starts. He he, he begins his uh, his argument on that point, which again suggests he may be even though it's not mentioned, he may be addressing the Buddhists let's say, uh, as the purva paksha Okay, these are a few thoughts. Now let's see if you want to refute. Something
0: you want to argue the Buddhist position, <laughs> yes, sir. <clears throat> Marsh, well, I have two, but two things, but you, I can just do one and we'll see. Uh, so okay, um, you're giving you're suggesting three options for um, uh, explanations for uh, how it is that, uh, uh, uh. Krishna uses the term brahma-nirvana, which is a term that's widely used in Buddhist scripture. No. Nirvana
3: is used in Buddhist yes. scripture, and Krishna speaks of brahma-nirvana.
0: Excuse me, yes. yes that, that's that was an my important intention. distinction. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> my, my So Krishna is utilizing the term, but with another descriptor. Uh, uh, and um, I was thinking of a fourth option, I was wondering what you think of uh, uh, well, because Krishna says that he's goes past, present, and future. So, um, and we also he's make... anticipating. <laughs> 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 he's, he's anticipating the purva paksha. <laughs> In the future, they're going to be saying this. Anticipating. <laughs> okay. Yeah, why not? <laughs> But since it's a spiritual literature, a spiritual explanation is yes. is, is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then um, my other qu- question is um, the word for word uh, tran- uh, tran- the word for word translation of this verse. Um, there's a, a, a word for word in this transcript for the word equanimity, but there's not a separate additional one for the word sameness. So
3: I was just wondering what you thought about that. Oh, um, sameness. Oh. Oh, I see sameness and equanimity. Um, well, I'd have to think about it. Uh, I think. I think this would be a case where Srila Prabhupada is emphasizing you know, maybe you don't understand equanimity, well, how about sameness <laughs> yeah.
1: you said summer appears twice, so maybe for one summer I don't know, I'm just from hearing it. maybe one summer is sameness, the other summer is equanimity in different
3: contexts yeah, that could, that might work yes near on samam um, they're flawless like Brahman which is some. <clears throat> yeah it, okay that's a possibility <laughs> yes yeah. thank you for that wonderful talk um,
1: yeah so many thoughts are, uh, have been provoked by your presentation I really really appreciate it so I'll say that Start uh, To I, I also have many questions, but I'll, I'll maybe <laughs> keep it to one or, or two. <laughs> um, but what one thought? So a, a couple of thoughts, and then a question. Yeah. One thought is uh, to your thesis about Brahman Nirvana. Krishna also mentions Buddha or Budaya, yeah, like five times or six times in this chapter. So that's also kind of relevant to your thesis of this being a pre-sponse or a response <laughs> to either something that will come or yeah, something yeah. that has long been even before articulated by a historical Siddhartha, Gautama, or whoever that may be.
3: Yeah, of course, already in the second chapter, he speaks of buddhi right. yoga. But then the word buddhi, um, that's already there in Sankhya. Right. Uh, philosophy of course, the good, good key. yeah. So it seems that idea could have been
1: co-opted by the later, yeah, Buddhist. the later personality, possibly, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and and then another thought is that what Krishna is doing in the Gita. You, you were speaking about Krishna's; he seems to be responding to this idea. Something wonderful that Krishna does in the Gita is accommodate or rather than defeating it's more like here's yeah. how we we would apply this right um, yeah. and, and synthesize to your paksha yeah. purva paksha siddhanta. Yeah. So so he he does that so beautifully with so many other philosophical ideas mm. in the Bhagavad yeah. Gita. And so it's nice to think how he's doing that with the ideas that would become or were
3: um, Buddhism yeah. as well. No, very good point. Um, yeah, we can see that with just the term brahma-nirvana. He's accepting the word nirvana, um, but he's, he's <laughs> he puts it into Vedanta terminology. Right. And then, of course, he's blending so many things. He's blending uh, sankhya and Vedanta uh, in the Gita. And uh, he's blending... Yeah, a lot of things,
2: yeah.
3: and as you say, synthesizing. Yeah, we can say that's why the Gita is so enduring and endearing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so, more thoughts, but I'll come to a question. Okay. Uh, I have a thought on on the sameness and the judgment. Uh, yeah, how things can be the same even when different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Maybe I'll pose it to you as a question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that could be also by um, not judging them. So, you, mm. you gave the example of the, the, the New York subway versus the Hong Kong metro. <laughs> right. And, and we could judge them and say, this one's better than the other. Or we could say, this one's more punctual, this one's cleaner this one's safer, and this one's more extensive. So we could describe the difference, Mm -hmm. but without judging them as better or worse. Like today's a rainy day, we could say it's a terrible day, or we could say it's raining. And Mm -hmm. so being samatva or being equipoise or um, in in that sameness (laughs) (laughs) could also be about not casting judgment and then being distressed like that. Happiness yeah. and distress in
3: relation to it. Do you, do you have a thought on that? Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I think why um, I think this point about he, he's connecting this equanimity with liberation, and it just now occurs to me. This is an, an ongoing sort of liberation. It's a yeah. day-to-day sort of being liberated. That's right. You're actually your mind is freed up to do, to be, and you know just to to think clearly, because you avoid the judging. Uh, the judging is actually um, entangling. It's it's um, becomes a burden. It it holds you down. You you become, what's the word? Uh, Free. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Limited. Yeah, you become limited by your judgment. Yeah. Mm. You become beholding, be- beholden. <laughs> sort of, to your judgment. And so there's, I think, the way another way of looking at this, because I I like to look at it as a practice yoga as a practice is we're not there yet right we're just day by day so um, it's a practice to learn to be to withhold judgment on all, all sorts of things and especially on other people um, we're very we're, we tend to be very quick at the draw <laughs> at judging others isn't it uh, Ah, this person. Ah, this. Ah, you know. <laughs> and that's uh, very binding, isn't it? Mm. So the practice of maybe a judgment is going to be necessary at some point. You know, maybe in my dealings with someone, maybe I will have to make a judgment. Maybe it's my responsibility in some circumstances. But maybe not, and so maybe I can withhold, I can suspend uh, the judgment, and that opens up all kinds of possibility of, um, yeah, to appreciate others as they are. Mm. Thank you. Yes, Divya. So thank you. Just
4: continue on this thought. So, I, I very much appreciated your. One of the definitions of equanimity is seeing equal opportunity for everybody to be engaged in service. Mm-hmm. And open my eyes. So but the judgment, I think also Shiva Prabhupada speaks about this in the purport. Mm-hmm. Equanimity in the sense of perceiving without attachment and aversion. So that's not not free being free from judgment. So what I'm thinking is the uh, the qualities of Kaništa Madhyama and Uttama Adhikari and in in relation to I don't have a question, but maybe <laughs> this could come in relation to um, Yeah, exactly the judgmental mentality or perceiving the world and others with aversion and attachment to the, to having Uttama Adhikari when it's completely doesn't want anything from the material world. There is no attachment or aversion. Mm-hmm. Any like relating equanimity yeah. to Kanishita, Madhyama,
3: Uttama? Yeah, we could. Um, there's lots of ways to map <laughs> uh, spiritual progress. Um, that's one sort of mapping. Another way of mapping, uh, we find, of course, with the three modes, the, trigunas, and that's extended to include um, a mapping of bhakti in the third third canto of uh, the Bhagavatam. In uh, Kapila's teachings, there's, there's bhakti in the mode of goodness, bhakti in the mode of passion, bhakti in the mode of ignorance. But um, yeah, as you said, I, I think we can agree that uh, uh, the uttama adhigari, the one who has has nothing, really nothing to gain <laughs> uh, from that position, then we could say it can go either way um, becomes very easy to be non-judgmental because uh, they're not invested in anything they have nothing to gain, nothing to lose
0: yeah. Yes. Um, I, w- I wanted to uh, raise an raise issue of um, the use of the word uh, judging or judgmental, which I was thinking are often used uh, interchangeably. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, judging can be used, uh, I think, uh, in a way that doesn't connote being judgmental. In other, mm-hmm. in other words, and uh, in, in other words, judging, meaning, analyzing distinctions, and recognizing uh, uh, mm-hmm. that something may be more effective, or productive, or mm-hmm. better, and yet being not not being partial, and mm-hmm. and then and I think I think that's to me I was thinking. That's really the quality of someone who has an equipoise mind, mm-hmm. and like so, therefore, um, people uh, criticize the judicial system. They mm-hmm. say, "Oh, this judge is partial. He's he's favorable. Yeah. He's biased." Yeah. But but a judge, uh, someone, uh, it's good to have someone who makes judgments. It's just important that they make them fairly, uh, with a with without bias. Yes. Spoken by a true lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> 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 yes. Spoken no.
3: It's good way eloquently. It's good to make that distinction, in judging and being judgmental. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I
5: just, I mean, I just find this is an interesting uh,
3: uh, subject because um, that's what
5: probably most of us trying to do, stop the judgment, stop the judgment, because we have this set of mind that we always judge. It's like natural. We look at the person and we see something wrong with the person. Because a <laughs> person has it something. must be something wrong with yeah, you. Something, yeah. Everybody <laughs> thinks that, and somebody, is yeah, somebody some, else, somebody with, else. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, with me as well, uh, but I don't think I'm the only one. Uh, it's just uh, so it the, it's the, false, the false secret, you always see something um that's not perfect in somebody, and you detect it and this is uncomfortable because it's kind of people also call it negative yeah. being negative judging like like they use it like negative thing and yeah. it is negative because it takes your mind from uh Peace. You're never peaceful. It's, yeah. it's always distracting, it's unpleasant, and, and it also could be judgment in a different way. Yes. She looks too good. <laughs> they are they are too happy.
3: They're too happy. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't deserve it. Yeah, but how
5: come? How come these the, the people are happy? Or how come yeah. they, they are together? Or how, I uh, mean, you, yeah. you always have this thing going on. Too much attention to Everything that's going on in this world—it's just yeah. from actually thinking about uh, spiritual. Like yes, Krishna. it takes it takes
3: our energy away yeah.
5: from yeah,
3: just, the important things. Yes,
5: yeah, so right. it's something that uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. distracting for the for this practice. Uh, exactly. Practice. very good. Thank you. Yes, it's maharaj. Pleasure that you're here. Appreciate you, and also I like how diverse you are and your thinking. Like about Buddhism you know about this about, a little bit about, about everything I want to ask you about the uh, you said Patanjali sutras so um, like what you take of it is it good and then what like what kind of translation is good if anything do you recommend? Uh, yeah I've been studying the yoga
3: Sutras of Patanjali lately because I'm in the process of writing a book on yoga uh, in relation to the ethics about relating with animals. And so I'm trying to see how I can draw out from yoga tradition. And it just happens to be that Patanjali Yoga Sutras became the most prominent, most widely known text uh, on yoga. Um, there's a history to that, and how it came about. Um, and their the take on it. Yeah, it's, well, it's, um, it, it's the Bhagavad Gita is much more accessible, really. If, if, you're, if the question is, how can I, you know, progress in spiritual life? Yoga Sutras, there are certain things there that I find helpful. And other things I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm i not really grasping. And other things I'm thinking, well, that's yoga, but I'm interested in bhakti yoga. Um, the tradition that I follow that Srila Prabhupada gave us, uh, the Gaudiya Vaishnava followers of Chaitanya, One of the important teachers of um, our tradition from the 18th century, um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, um, wrote sometime about this uh, yoga of Patanjali. I don't know if he referred to Patanjali, but... And he said, essentially, we don't take their conclusion, their... um, Soteriology, their aim of what they call Kaivalya. Uh, but uh, the, the techniques they have for advancing in spiritual life, um, most of it's quite okay. Uh, we also don't take from the third chapter the siddhi, siddha, Siddhis, the uh, sort of mystical powers. Um, which Patanjali himself says, this is really not very good, but here it is. <laughs> if you want this, you can get it by practicing different forms of samyama, different meditations. Um, but it's, I don't know, It's it can shed a certain kind, maybe, of light on certain aspects of, for example, the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Sixth chapter, in one sense, is a kind of summary uh, of many of the elements of uh, Ashtanga Yoga, which is kind of sketched in the Yoga Sutras. And as for translation, well, there are two which I like. One I mentioned uh, from uh, Edwin Bryant, and the other is from Christopher Chappell, uh what is this book called? Uh, the Yoga the Luminous, something like that. And that's also quite quite good, I think. Appreciate it, thank you so much. Sure. And they're both available on Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Everything now on Kindle, right?
3: <laughs> Which is good if we travel.
0: <laughs> We can carry it around. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you. Good. So I guess we can end there.